Hello and welcome to the 100th episode of the She Reads Truth podcast. 100 episodes, you guys. I'm your host, Amanda Bible Williams, and my amazing co-host, Rachel Myers, is not here today. But don't hang up yet. We miss Rachel so much. But guys, this episode is too good for you to skip. Our new friend, Glenn Packiam, was with us to talk about week five of our ACTS series. Glenn is a pastor at New Life Church in Colorado Springs. He has a doctorate in theology and ministry. He's a senior fellow at the Barna Group, which is a really cool research group that we have a ton of respect for. He is a professor. He's Holly's husband, and he is dad to four children. Guys, Glenn was such a fun person to talk through these passages with. He has so much deep, rich knowledge of Scripture and love of Scripture, which you know immediately makes me feel like I have met a kindred spirit when they just light up as we read Scripture. So I think you're going to love this conversation. We're going to unpack some of the stories that we're going to get to this week. If you want to know more about Glenn, check him out on socials. He does have a book coming out next week. February, February of 2022, called Blessed, Broken, Given, How Your Life Becomes Sacred in the Hands of Jesus. I can't wait. But for now, let's get right to this episode on Acts Week 5 with Glenn Packiam. Glenn, welcome to the Thank She Reads so Podcast. Thank you, Amanda. Oh, man, I'm really bummed that my partner, and I won't say partner in crime, partner and my co-laborer <laughs> there you go. in the gospel, Rachel, is not here because I just know how much she would relish getting to have this conversation with you. I know. Sad. It is sad, but you know what? Just as we prayed before we hit record, just take comfort in that even when our days don't go as planned, which we're going to read about a few days (laughs) that don't go as planned, right? That's definitely true. Yeah, that God's presence is with us. He's with Rachel, where she is right now, and that this was no surprise to him. And so there's so much comfort in that. But goodness, I am just so excited for the opportunity to have this conversation with someone. You have such rich experience, right? Like we were chatting about, you have a music past, you have, (laughs) you're a minister, you're a theologian. Like I just, I have a feeling you have some things to say about the book of Acts. You have some feelings about this book. Well, I love the Bible. And so it's an honor to be on with you guys because you're helping people love the Bible. And I can't wait to talk about this with you. Yeah. So excited. So we are, our study, just to remind you guys who are listening, whether you're hopping in the middle here or you've been with us through this Acts series, this is week five. We are reading the book of Acts for six weeks. And so week five, it picks up in Acts chapter 18. By Friday, we'll be kind of at the beginning of chapter 23. So as usual, so much is happening. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And there will be no way that we can talk about all of the things. But Man, that is just what is so... It had been a while, Glenn, since I had sat down to just read through the book of Acts. It had been a long while. Mm. And it has, week after week, just floored me how rich. Yeah. And it really feels like you can just park in, not even just in a chapter, you can like park in a paragraph and talk about it for an hour. It's incredible because it's like Mm -hmm. we're, you know, as Christians in the church today, it's like we're, this is our sort of, um, you know, the early scenes of the story that we're part of. And when we read these pages, it's like, oh, the story's being continued now through us. Right. And that's what some of the connections that I want us to try to make because it kind of, it blows my mind. And so I'm always happy to have a buddy to read with me and like, (laughs) okay, let's connect this because, Mm. you know, a lot of times we talk about this often on the podcast where applying scripture is obviously biblical and appropriate, Sure, but, you know, we want to resist the urge to start there, you know, like we want to read scripture first to see what it's saying, what's happening, what it's teaching us about God, Mm -hmm. and then let that frame then like how we apply that or what it teaches us about us. Absolutely, because if we yeah. if we jump to application, then it's almost like we're trying to get something out of Scripture. We're kind of using it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, instead of what I, I love about what you guys are doing is 
We're trying to get into it. We're not trying to get something out of it. We're trying to enter it. We're trying to enter yes. into this story and see Jesus at work and see the Holy Spirit at work, find ourselves in this drama. And that's, yeah, from there flows application, certainly. But we start by not trying to get something out of it, but trying to find ourselves in it or lose ourselves in it. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love that notion of getting lost in it because that's really when I get the most like fired up, you know, is mm-hmm, when I'm mm-hmm. just like, oh man, this is the story of the Bible is such an amazing story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, here we are. So as we are, we're stepping into chapter 18, the founding of the Corinthian church. I mean, no big deal, right? <laughs> yeah, like that's yeah, yeah. just this really pivotal moment. And yet here we get this picture of how this huge thing in the history of the church, the founding of the Corinthian church, you know, we're going to later have the books of first and second Corinthians yeah. written to these, yeah. to these believers. And even that big moment is made up of these smaller moments. Like this yeah. is, you know, we see Paul just continuing and not just Paul. He's not, you know, he's not just him. He's got, there's Silas and Timothy and we yep. had Barnabas yep. continuing to say yes. And just one foot in front of the other in mm-hmm. the spread of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not easy. There is a way in which you could say this isn't going well. <laughs> right. It is, but also <laughs> it isn't, right? Absolutely. There's a point later on in one of the chapters where it says, you know, there's going to be hardship. Oh, here it is. It, it's later on in, um, uh, looks like it's Acts 20, verse 22. It says, and now I'm on my way to Jerusalem compelled by the Spirit not knowing what I will encounter there, except that in every town, the Holy Spirit warns me. And it's just a small little line, in every town. But I thought, yeah, that's kind of the story of Paul's journeys. Mm-hmm. In every town, there's hardship. And I, you know, it struck me when I was rereading this, Amanda, that I sometimes think, oh, if there's no hardship, then that must be confirmation that this is what God wants for me, you know, that I'm going to discern God's will for my life by looking for the place where there's ease or where there's open doors, quote unquote. And I get that, open doors, that's a factor. But Mm -hmm. here Paul's saying, every town there's hardship, everywhere I go, you know. Right. And I mean, we we talked about that some last week with Heather Thompson Day was Mm. on the show with us and just, I mean, she just brilliant. Having you guys back to back, I'm just thrilled. But Mm. she was saying that we were talking about that, that like the Christian life is not and was never promised to be a life of ease. That's the same word she used. Yes. Yes. And that if we're looking for that, we're We're, looking for the wrong thing. (laughs) We're looking for the wrong thing. Exactly. Sometimes the Lord reveals his will by making paths straight and clear and all of that. Right. Other times, and you see Paul very clearly being sent to these different places, there's hardship everywhere, and yet God has a purpose out of it. You know, that, like you said, mm-hmm. the, the founding of the Corinthian church becomes such an important church, such an important city to have a foothold of the gospel in, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't mm-hmm. come easily. It starts with being, you know, thrown out. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. And clearly, we can infer Paul's, the state of his heart, like, is he feeling discouraged? Is he feeling, like, how's he feeling? By this moment in Acts 18, This is starting in verse 9, where it says, The Lord said to Paul in a night vision, Don't be afraid, but Mm. keep on speaking, and don't be silent, for I am with you, and no one will lay a hand on you to hurt you, because I have many people in this city. And then it says, Paul stayed there a year and a half teaching the word of God among them. So this was not a quick job. I mean, church planting is not easy work. No, no. But that's so amazing that like the Lord, the one who knows the insides of Paul's heart, inside and out, right? Yeah. Is saying to him, don't be afraid. Yep. It's it's so huge. And you said earlier, you know, the founding of the Corinthian church, but there in verse six, when they, um, it says in verse six, they resisted and blasphemed, he shook out his Mm -hmm. clothes and he told them, okay, your blood is on your own heads. I'm innocent. And then there's this little phrase, from now on, I will go to the Gentiles. I mean, when you read the rest of Paul's letters that are to come in the New Testament, he very clearly defines his life as 
I'm an apostle to the Gentiles. I'm the yeah. one that's sent to the Gentiles. And that was a radical kind of shift in people's perspective mm-hmm. um, in the first century because it's one thing to recognize Jesus as the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah. Mm-hmm. And that was hard enough to the Jews, and Paul writes about this in various different ones of his letters, because Jesus was not the typical Messiah they expected, right? Who's going to come and slaughter the enemy, you know, he gets crucified. So that's hard enough. But then Paul says, but he's not just a Jewish Messiah. He's a Messiah that's actually good news for Gentiles, for everyone, you know? And so this moment of the Jews sort of rejecting Paul in Acts 18 it looks like a really discouraging moment, but it ends mm-hmm. up being the pivotal moment where Paul says, okay, this is God's way of sending me now to the Gentiles. And then I love the verse you just read in Acts 18, verse 10, mm-hmm. uh, where God says, I have many people in this city. I love that. I think about that all the time. Like, we don't always see the people that God... That's right. You know, that God wants us to speak to, God's preparing conversations, you know, our neighbors, our people in our community... But what if we woke up and we're like, God, who are the people you've got in the city that you're mm-hmm. wanting to send me to today? You know? Yeah, yeah. And they're already his, you know? Yes, like yes. We especially when it comes to evangelism, you know, I mean we could talk about that for an hour for sure, but there are different ways of thinking of that. And so I love how Acts, you know, starts out, the book starts out where Jesus is saying, You will be my witnesses. Your first job is to just tell people what you have seen of me yes, and, yes. and know of me and how you have experienced me. But then also just the very clear like work of the spirit. You know, mm-hmm. if I think about that too, like yes, if we had eyes to see to see people as God sees them, and if we had eyes to see how the spirit, the spirit yes. was not more at work. Yeah. I think yeah. it's fair to say in the book of Acts, then the spirit is at work now. No. No. It's just that we have this gift of this record of how the spirit acted in yeah. the book of Acts in the formation of the early church and the establishment and the spread of the gospel. And I don't know if we could handle it, you know, <laughs> having the eyes to see all of that, but. What a joy and an encouragement and deep conviction <laughs> comes with knowing that, like, yeah, this is this is what the Lord is doing. Yes. Like, the Lord is at work doing this right now around us today. That's exactly right. And what a great tie back and throwback to Acts, you know, 1 8. Mm-hmm. You know, the Spirit will come upon you and you'll be my witnesses. And certainly, the main actor, if you can say it that way, throughout this book is the Holy Spirit, is, yep, is God absolutely. by His Spirit leading, uh, anointing His church, sending Paul. I mean, repeatedly throughout these chapters that we're reading in this week, week five, we recognize the Holy Spirit as sending Paul. And there's mm-hmm. there's lots of hellos and goodbyes, lots of welcomes yes. and farewells. And even in these few short chapters... That to me says it's a person who's on the move. If you have hellos and goodbyes, if you have welcomes and farewells, you're on the move. Yeah. But again, it's not so much that we're on the move, it's that God is on the move. That's right. And then we want to be with him, you know. That's right. God is moving and the Mm. Spirit is acting. And we, you know, by God's merciful design, are invited into this. Yes. Isn't that amazing? Yes. And I love it is. And I love how Paul is very aware. That that's kind of crazy that he would be invited. That he, of all people, <laughs> yes. And yet we see how God works through him, and it's incredible. Yeah, it's truly, and you know, so we can think about it in the sense of okay, the now work of God, God at work now, God on the move now. Mm-hmm. But you, you've included, you guys have included in this day's reading Isaiah fifty-one. Yeah, and if I can just read a few verses of that, Isaiah Please fifty-one, do. one and two. Uh, Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who gave birth to you. When I called him, he was only one. I blessed him and made him many. Now, what's amazing about this, you guys putting this in with this text here in Acts 18, is... God, think how long ago Abraham was from Paul's day. You know, that promise to Abraham, uh-huh. it's like a thousand years or whatever before Paul. And then you have Isaiah in between. Now you have these missionary journeys and Paul is connecting the dots. He's saying, That's look, right. God's plan from the very beginning was to rescue all people, all nations, not just Jews, but Gentiles, everybody into one family. And so, 
you know, again, this painful moment of being rejected by these particular group of Jews and then mm-hmm. saying, okay, from now on, I'm going to the Gentiles. But he recognizes, actually, there's something beautiful here because this is fulfilling what God has always wanted to do, which is rescue yeah. everyone, make from Abraham many people. So yeah. not only is there an active mission, but in one sense, it's an ancient mission. This is yes. God's an- ancient oh, mission good. of yeah. rescuing people. Sorry, preacher there. I got to do the double A alliteration, oh, you know. Listen, I love, <laughs> I love alliteration. Um, so I also love that the Holy Spirit, like the reminder that the Holy Spirit is yeah. not, doesn't just come on the scene in the New Testament. Yes, Like the, yes. the Spirit was hovering over the waters in Genesis 1. Come like on. the Spirit is a member, a person of the Trinity and has always been and is and will be. And so it really, like those are those moments where I just, if you were in person, I would just want to high five. Like it's <laughs> it's where we just, you start to get those connections. And it's one of my favorite things about pastors, how you guys can just help us to see that. It's a knowledge for the head, but man, it's a knowledge mm. for the heart, you know, yeah, and just so, so good. I want us to, I know we have many, you know, chapters to go before we sleep here, but we have this moment. I want to talk about Apollos for a minute mm. because he's here and there's a lot of, you know, we're going to like fast forward through the rest of the Corinthian story. I, it's, it's a bummer, but we're, this is what we're going to do. We're going to hop around a little bit. But I want to talk about Apollos for a, a minute just because I'm personally fascinated mm. um, by him in general. But I love this moment with Priscilla and Aquila yeah. and Apollos. Would you mind reading that for us, Glenn? That sure. That 24 uh, there yeah. through 28? Yeah. It says, verse 24, Now a Jew named Apollos, a native Alexandrian, an eloquent man who was competent in the use of the scriptures, arrived in Ephesus. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately about Jesus, although he knew only John's baptism. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. After Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. When he wanted to cross over to Achaia, the brothers and sisters wrote to the disciples to welcome him, and after he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. For he vigorously refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating through the scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah. I mean, such a cool sidebar here that we're getting a view into, and there's a lot to say about this, but I, what I want to ask you, Glenn, is like, how does this... How does that, like, hop to application for a moment? Mm -hmm, Like, what can mm -hmm. we learn here that can frame the way that we in the church interact with one another, learn from Mm. one another? Like, you know, there's an interesting interplay here between, like, the importance of, like, relationship, like, community, and also doctrine Mm -hmm, and how those mm -hmm. things play together. And I feel like currently... It's hard to see those things playing well together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, because they do an interesting thing here where they pull him aside. It says they yeah, took him yeah, aside. They t- and it's yeah, like, they did. listen, you're doing a great job. It says that Apollos was speaking accurately, but mm-hmm. they helped him see things more accurately. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that great? Yeah. What a great yeah. phrase. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right to point out a couple of those things, Amanda, about the, I mean, it just, it is really fascinating. I, I'm with you in that how gentle that correction seems to be, you know, and there are moments, look, you know, we're in a teaching series right now at our church on Galatians. There are moments where Paul's rebukes are public and he talks about confronting Peter to his face and all of this stuff. Yeah. But I think that's the exception and not the norm. And what you see here in Acts 18 seems to be more of the norm for these early Christians of saying, hey, that's great. I see what you're trying to do. That's not inaccurate, but it is incomplete. Um, you know, stopping oh, that's a good at distinction. stopping at John's baptism, and that's a theme that shows up later in the passages that we're going to be reading this week about what does it mean to stop at John's baptism. We can talk about that later. But they're saying, yeah, it's good, but this could be even better if you know, in the business world, they mm-hmm. call that EBIs, right? Even better ifs, <laughs> and and that's a gentler way of saying, look, I'm mm-hmm. not trying to bring you down. I'm actually trying to raise you up. I'm actually trying to teach you and help you improve on this. So the fact that it's done gently, the fact that it's done privately. I think is why Apollos turns out to end up being a great blessing to the church. Yeah. And his posture, too, of mm, mm. being teachable and yeah. 
and humble. And there seems to be, if I can, you know, just infer from the few verses that we have here, a mutual agreement that what is of utmost importance here is the truth of the gospel. Yes. And so if I'm going to hold that, I mean, that's how we talk about Scripture here at She Reads Mm -hmm. Truth, that we want to hold Scripture over us as authority over us and not under us to serve us, right? And so if my posture is that, okay, I want to know and also proclaim what is actually true knowing that that's going to mean, because I'm human, (laughs) that that is going to mean that I'm going to get things wrong sometimes, and I'm going to need to be taught. And and there are a lot of times, you know, I hope that generally speaking, my posture is one of hungering, you know, that I hunger for discipleship and learning from those who have been walking with Jesus and in the scriptures longer than me. But, you know, there are times too where I fancy myself as one who has been walking with <laughs> Jesus for a little while. And and mm. so I'm just encouraged by because Apollos is no slouch. Like no, he's, no, you know, no. there's yeah, he's a sharp, yeah. Yeah, he's sharp. And so to see someone who, you know, later there are even those of us who might argue that he wrote Hebrews. I'm not saying I'm one of those. Maybe I am. But like that someone of that caliber would just be like, okay, like, first of all, he started somewhere. He yes. had to start learning. Anyway, I love that. I, and I'll also point out that Priscilla and Aquila, this is a husband and wife team. Yeah? Yep. Yep, it's yeah, a husband so and wife this... team, and what's you know interesting is the wife is named first here, which is not uh-huh. normal custom, not normal command, which seems to imply that Priscilla is the one that had the teaching gift, and so she was the one to to sort of really help speak into Apollos's you know understanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so interesting. I'm so grateful for the details mm-hmm. in scripture. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. Friends, it's November. How did that happen? I don't know. But it is November, and that means that it is almost time for Advent. Advent is one of our favorite seasons, and we love to open our Bibles with you during the Advent season. Now, but don't worry, there is still time for you to place your order to get your Advent 2021 study book so that you can read along with the She Reads Truth community for our 10th Advent season together. Isn't that beautiful? We are just so excited. Now, the last day to order your books in order to get them in time is this Thursday, November 4th. You want to get your books, you guys. You want to have this beautiful keepsake that will help you carve out time to sit and contemplate and celebrate what it means that Jesus is the light of the world what it means that He is the everlasting light. That's the title of our Advent study this year, the everlasting light that gives light to a dark world. Always has, always will, right? So join us. We cannot wait to walk through this Advent season with you and prepare our hearts to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Visit ShopSheReadsTruth.com to place your order today because you want to get your book in time. ShopSheReadsTruth.com. Okay, well, Paul is on the move. And friends, if you have a study book or a legacy book, we did include, the team included a a map of Paul's missionary journeys. Now, you probably also have one of these in the back of your Bible. Ours might be a little prettier. It's cool. Yeah, yours is It's pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) But you're going to see the map and also kind of like, not really a timeline, but like the sequencing in which he went on these three missionary journeys and then his voyage to Rome. Anyway, so that's in there. It's fun and challenging to try to sort of track with where he's going and where this stuff is happening and just to sort of watch how the gospel is spreading. So be sure to check that out. Okay, you mentioned Acts 19. It's a super interesting story, and I understand that it can be one that, like, there's lots of different takes on this. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so we won't get into all the different takes, but staying high level, you'd mentioned, you know, not the um the baptism the of complete. John thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so Acts 19, verse, you know, the first few verses, I'll just read it. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions and he came to Ephesus. He found some believers and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? No, they told him we hadn't even heard there was a Holy Spirit. Into what were you baptized? He asked them and they said, into John's baptism. They replied, Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people that they should believe in the one who would come after him, that is Jesus. And then, verse 5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. They began to speak with other tongues and prophesy. There are 12 men in all. Now, sometimes I'll just, I'll speak to what I think is a maybe a, a conclusion we don't want to come to. Sometimes <laughs> this, sometimes this has been uh, used to say, oh, you have, you know, kind of conversion baptism, and then you have a second baptism in the Holy mm. Spirit or something that is a second experience. That's actually not what's going on here in Acts 19. What's going on here is this baptism of John is, is the sense of Israel being renewed as the covenant people of God. And so mm-hmm. they're hearing the good news about Jesus, but they're still thinking through a Israel-only kind of lens. They're thinking only through this covenant with Israel, where the covenant mm-hmm. people of mm-hmm. God lens. And so they're thinking, yeah, we've failed in the covenant. For the most part, people in this first century are, they're aware of the fact that they've failed in their covenant with God. You know, in the Old Testament, you had they were in exile in Babylon for 70 plus years. They returned, but it wasn't the same. And now they were living in their land, but under Roman rule. And so there was this mm. sense among Jews in the first century that, gosh, we must not really have repented. We must not really have been faithful oh, yeah. or, to God because, look, things aren't really working or going the way they're supposed to go. And so there were some people who understood Jesus as this prophet who was saying, hey, here's how you can renew your covenant to God, sort of like this Malachi or sort of, you know, one of those prophets in the Old Testament that mm-hmm. would say, return to God. Right. And Paul's saying it's actually bigger than that. <laughs> what's yeah. happening? What's happening is not simply Israel renewing their covenant with God, but the whole human race can be born again. Yeah. And so, what we never want to do is split up Jesus and the Holy Spirit. You know, you, the, the yeah. Trinity. We're yeah. not going to get into the doctrine of the Trinity. That, that, I know there's a mystery to that, but you don't split up the persons of the Trinity. We don't divide them. And so, in an important way, they're baptized into Jesus, and then they receive the Spirit. That happens at the same time, whereas before, this baptism of John is really about a Israel renewal of covenant kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, it's really them, in a way, like understanding the gospel of Jesus for yeah. the first time. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, Amanda. They're, yeah. they're grasping how radical and revolutionary this good news about Jesus actually is. And so Paul's saying, oh, if you didn't receive the Holy Spirit, that means you haven't been born again. That means you haven't really heard this good news that Jesus, you know, that his life, death, and resurrection means for the world. Yeah. Uh, you, you've been operating on this old paradigm of, okay, we just need to renew our cover. Because Jews in Jesus's day practiced baptism as a form of their own kind of Jewish repentance and renewal of mm-hmm, covenant. Mm-hmm. But now Paul's saying, no, 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 no. This is more radical than that. This You're is be even made- better. Even like you, better. Yeah. yeah you're like, going to be made down. new. You got to hear yeah, this. <laughs> you gotta hear, you're going to be made new from the inside and you're going to receive yeah. God's spirit in you. And yeah, exactly. So Jesus and the spirit go together and they hadn't even heard of that. Oh, that's so, it's so good. Thank you for unpacking that because that is, it really is complex. And it's one of those where I'm just like, I don't, what is happening here? And it's very easy, I think, to misunderstand what's happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. But goodness, I mean, there's so much. I mean, act, you guys. But this moment that we get in chapter 19 where, you know, Paul is, verse 11 says, God was performing extraordinary miracles by Paul's hands. Yes. So much so that, verse 12, so that (sighs) even face cloths or aprons that had touched his skin were brought to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. So like there is just like the signs and wonders going on here are extreme. Like it's a lot. It's amazing. I do love to miss. Mm-hmm. It's impossible to miss. You're absolutely right. <laughs> and I do love that it says God was performing yes. miracles by Paul's yeah. hands. You know, sometimes we 
some of the circles I run in, you can find abuses of it or, or misappropriations of it where miracles become sort of what we do if we yeah. have enough faith or we can kind of... And Acts 19 contrasts the miracles God does with this other person here, you know, um, the magician guy, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's so interesting because... Magic, and it's, it's, um, I think C.S. Lewis has an old saying about this, but magic is where you want to stay in control. Basically, you want to be in power and you want to manipulate a situation or whatever. Yeah. You're playing but God a little bit. You're playing yeah. God, exactly. And miracles are not magic because miracles require us to surrender to God and let Him act. And if God wants to perform those miracles, let Him do it. And if He doesn't want to do it, trust Him anyway. But magic is Ooh, where we think we word. can control situations. So miracles are not magic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. Yeah, and I love this where... so. You know, that says that Jewish exorcists also attempted to pronounce the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I command you by the Jesus that Paul preaches. Like, I, they see what's happening and they're like, okay, I'm going to try this. And this moment, it just floors me. In verse 14, seven sons of, is it Sceva? Oh, I don't know. Let's go I with that. Yeah, let's, let's go, go with, with that. that. A Jewish high priest, so this Jewish high priest, seven sons, were doing this. The evil spirit answered them, quote, I know Jesus and I recognize Paul, but who are you? Mm-hmm. And then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so they mm. ran out of the house. So this is that even the demons know, you know, like yes. they, they know that Jesus is yes. the Son of God. And then this there's this moment, let's see, this became known to everyone who lived in Ephesus. Like we said, you can't miss this. This stuff is happening mm-hmm. in your town. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. it, even without social media or the news, right? <laughs> Both Jews and Greeks, and they became afraid. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held mm-hmm. in high esteem. Mm-hmm. And verse 18, and many who had become believers came confessing and disclosing their practices, while many of those who had practiced magic collected their books and burned them in front yes. of everyone. So they calculated their value and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. In this way, the word of the Lord spread and prevailed. Amazing. This moment where they have this understanding that, oh, that Jesus, that we were just trying to use his name to, mm-hmm. you know, do magic. <laughs> oh, that Jesus. That's the son of God. Yes. And this is this is real. And they have this moment where they bring you know this bringing of their books and burning them is I mean unless I'm misreading it it feels like that moment where when you see Jesus in his beauty and you mm-hmm. you understand that you're a sinner and you're mm-hmm. just like oh all this other stuff that I've been like looking to i'm just mm. bringing it all and i don't that's, i don't it's like it's like a burning of the idols like i'm bringing it all absolutely. i don't want that oh you're absolutely right nothing compares you know it's like mm-hmm. yeah it's a it is absolutely a radical kind of repentance a turning away from an old life mm-hmm. and it's and it's also in some ways a, a radical reevaluation yeah, I think about that oh, verse yeah. in Philippians 3 where he says, I consider all these things as rubbish compared yes. to knowing Christ, you know? And I think maybe these magicians or these people in Ephesus are like, you know what? Everything we were doing, just burn it up. Just, you know, it's just garbage to be burned up because we know the real thing now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so good. And I mean, there's that moment in... um so I'm kind of skipping ahead now, but in Acts yeah. 20, which you already read part of it, mm. but right after where you were reading, where it was saying that, you know, where Paul was saying, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, I'm compelled yeah. by the Spirit, yeah. not knowing what I'm going to encounter there, but, you know, I'm ad-libbing here, but if recent history tells me anything, it's probably <laughs> hardship, right? It's probably going to be hard. Um, well, and then verse 23, except that in every town the Holy Spirit warns me that chains uh-huh. and afflictions are waiting for me. Verse 24, but I can, and this is Paul, we hear him, he's mm. going to say this mm. again to us later oh, in his letters, right. mm. but I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course in the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. Mm. That is so beautiful, but also 
That is terrifying to me. Yeah. Like when I think about what Paul is really saying mm. and in the context in which he is speaking it, to know that not just is there not ease on this mm. road, mm. there's the opposite of ease. There's suffering, there's persecution. Mm. And to say, I see it, mm. but even my life is worth yeah, sacrificing yeah. to right. this purpose for the way, the capital W A. Man. And that is yeah. It's Amanda, heavy. Amanda, when you were reading that, I mean I just got a little bit emotional listening to those words because yeah. it's convicting. I mean, that, yes, that's the is. word of God being a sword and convicting because that, how easy is it for me? How easy is it for us mm-hmm. to make decisions based on how valuable we think our life is? You know, like, oh, well, oh, I, need yeah. to be, I, I need to do this and I got to be, you know, I got to be in this kind of a place. There are unhealthy environments that are genuinely toxic and bad for us. And, we, you know, that's a necessary that's caveat right. here, right? Yes, yes, it is. But we can also swing to the other extreme where everything is squeezed through the lens of, well, what's going to be good for me? What's going to be best for me? As if our life is of ultimate value. And Mm -hmm. Paul's saying, look, in the big scheme of things, in God's mission, in God's kingdom, Mm -hmm. my purpose is just to finish my course and ministry I receive from the Lord. I mean, man, I, I want that to be my prayer. Lord, as I'm evaluating things and stuff, I want my purpose to be to just finish the assignment that you gave me, finish the ministry that I've received from you, and testify to the gospel of God's grace. Mm-hmm. Well, Be oh, a witness. Man. Be yeah. a witness. Yeah, Acts so, 1-8, there you go. Yeah, it's so good. This comes in the middle of this amazing address that he's giving because he's leaving Ephesus, and I don't know how long he's been there. I'm sure some you may, or there's information. <laughs> no, I'm not sure guesses. how long he's been there's there. There's theories, yeah. But he's obviously, he's very close to this community mm-hmm. because you can, you know, you guys will read this when you get to this day, this week, but it's just beautiful. But all of this language, it's very final. Like he doesn't mm-hmm. know if he's going to mm-hmm. get to ever see them again or come back. And, you know, and this language like in verse 32, and now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. You know, it is really easy to take our calling, the work that God has given us to do, and then think, okay, (laughs) because even in my obedience to that work, I can still, in my sin nature, like twist that and say, Mm -hmm. well, but like, this is important, and I've got to do this, and it's got to be me. I've got to be the one that does this. And we see Paul going like, God is able to build you up. And give you, like, he clearly, you know, is torn about leaving. Mm, mm, and I don't know, I just think about my kids. We have four kids, and they're, you know, pretty young still, 14 and under, and still at home under our roof. And I just think there's going to come a time, and it's not too long from now, mm. where I'm going to have to trust that God will continue to build them up. And really, truth be told, the conviction of the word here, like, I should be trusting that now. That mm-hmm. and not overplaying mm-hmm. my role. That like, well, it's really. I mean, my husband and I spend a lot of time talking about, and this is appropriate, but like talking yeah. about what is the right course here. How do we sure, parent sure. in this yeah. season? And and all of that is appropriate, but you know, woe to us if we're not also <laughs> partnering with God and saying, yes. like, you are the one who has the yes. power to change. Hearts. You are the one who's written every yes. day in your yes. book um, before one mm. of them, you know, come to be. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, anyway, same concept, different mm-hmm. circumstance. Uh-huh. We see Paul trusting that. Yes. They're like, no, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I really do believe that my life here on earth is just not worth. It's worth nothing compared to this right. eternal life that we're. Yes, and sometimes people take that kind of talking point or that view, and and what it results in is a life that is never really invested in others. You know, yeah. so you, you, you kind of have the, oh, well, I just go wherever the Lord leads me, and I just do. And, and what it means is actually you're not really great at giving and receiving love. You know, like you're not really great mm. at relationships oh. or, or yeah. intimacy or whatever. You just, you're just bouncing, but you're blaming God for that. But what's important for readers to recognize here is this farewell to the Ephesian elders is emotional. He's Mm -hmm. weeping with them. They're weeping with him. And the point here is wherever we are, 
invest fully there. You know, it's that, it reminds me yeah. of that old Jim Elliot quote, you know, wherever you are, live to the hilt, be all there, live to the hilt in every situation you believe to be the will of God. So if the Holy Spirit has sent you to Nashville, Dallas, Colorado, wherever mm-hmm. you are, mm-hmm. you know, go all in, invest in those relationships. And then if God moves us on, yeah, it's going to be emotional. It should be emotional. But at the end of the day, our obedience is more important. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And we can't, you know, one thing to say and another thing to walk like this this spreading <laughs> right. of the gospel like one step after another mm-hmm. and not alone. That's the beauty of like the church is you know, I'm not the church by myself. Right, right, right. <laughs> that you know that this is that even this conversation is a picture of no, no, like the Lord has given us each other and we are mm. it is a collaborative effort here. Yes. And not just about my, you know, we run the risk of thinking this is just about my individual salvation or my, mm. and just how, like, what a tiny, tiny part of this beautiful, grand mm. picture, the one that we talked about that went all the way back to yeah. Abraham, all Abraham, the way back yeah, to yeah. creation, and goes all the way forward, generations and for eternity, and yeah, to widen that lens. Okay, so here's our situation. We have a few more minutes, but we have a lot of narrative left here. And I'm wondering, Glenn, (laughs) if you can guide us. We've got essentially chapter 21, which is is a large chapter, um, Mm -hmm. and 22. So we've got Paul's, the headings that we have here, and you're reading this week, friends, is Paul's determination to reach Jerusalem. And then Paul before the Sanhedrin, mm-hmm. which Paul before the Sanhedrin, that sounds ominous to me, but I also <laughs> recognize I also recognize that like this is actually a huge opportunity. Yeah. Um, it's big. Right? Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about this. Yeah. These moments here. Let me say a quick word on the tail end of 21 here. Oh, yeah, where, please. Where Paul is being warned again, this time by a very specific prophet named Agabus. This is in verse 10, and and he takes Paul's belt, and he says, look, if you go, you're going to get bound up, and you'll be delivered over, you know. And then Paul replies in verse 13, what are you doing Mm -hmm. weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name Mm -hmm. of the Lord Jesus. So, this is a really beautiful story to me, because... Mm -hmm. We either, and I, you know, I'm speaking in generalizations here, but we either have no room for prophets today for people to say, hey, I think the Holy Spirit is saying this for you, or we give them too much authority where, oh, I got this prophetic Mm -hmm. word, therefore, you know. But here Mm -hmm. what we see in the book of Acts is, um, again, you talked about the church, this community, even discerning God's will, there's a back and forth with the community where... This prophet is saying, if you go, there's hardship. And in his mind, that means Paul don't go. And Paul's saying, yeah. And Paul's saying, no, you're right. There is hardship and I'm willing to bear it. Like, I should, I'm still going to go. So, you know, the spirit leads us in a community. But I think at the end of the day, we have to make these decisions and we have to decide, okay, Lord, this is what it means to follow you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we've seen, even in the book of Acts, I mean, We've seen Paul do this, and we saw Peter do that, where Mm -hmm. you're actually like, oh my goodness, you guys, like common sense says, don't go back there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But there is this very keen like awareness of the Spirit, and then it's really the Spirit who, I mean, we talk about that even in this business ministry, we call it a business tree, (laughs) that we get to Uh steward, and she reads truth that like... Yeah, we have plan. We have a business plan. We have mm-hmm, mm-hmm. people in leadership, but like the Holy Spirit is, it's not just leaving room for the Holy Spirit. It's like no, no. At the end of the day, we want to be obedient. Yes, and yes. so you know we do our due diligence and we use the mm-hmm. the skills that God gave us and we try to be as wise as we can mm-hmm, be mm-hmm. and steward well and all those things, but. What good is all of that if we're not? We want to be obedient to the Spirit. Yes, amen. It's really remarkable and such a mystery the way that the Spirit moves and acts Mm. and leads, Mm. but also the way that He does that through my brothers and sisters in Christ. And oh, it's so good. It's good. Okay, so the Sanhedrin. Oh, the Sanhedrin. Okay, <laughs> you want to so talk about that? <laughs> give us a, a one sentence definition if we either don't know or need to be reminded of who the Sanhedrin is. These are guys in power. 
These are guys in Powerade, particularly they're over Jewish culture, Jewish society. So these are not Roman rulers. These are Jewish leaders uh, in the synagogue. And they're they're the, um, I don't want to say orthodoxy police or heresy police, but kind of. I mean, they're the ones who determine what's being taught in the different synagogues and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And Paul, Paul is no stranger to these these guys in this, and like he has, you know, there's these moments in, oh, which letter is it where he says, like, if anyone has a reason to boast, it's me. Yeah. Like, look yeah. at my resume. Right. So Paul is uniquely suited to speak to yes. these culture leaders, these religious leaders, because he has just really acute knowledge like just yeah he has a lot of knowledge of he's all of these cred. things and he's been yeah yes cred there it is and, and, that's what i was trying well, to say and he's and he's not afraid to use it i mean that's what's yeah. interesting about yeah. this whole section here is he references being a jew he references being a roman citizen i mean he's leveraging every part of his story and i think one of the things that that's really important to recognize here is you've alluded to this a few times today amanda is you know god is the author of our story And there are different moments, different seasons, maybe even even different scenarios where we can leverage parts of who we are and parts Mm -hmm. of our story for kingdom good. You know, not for our own gain, but for kingdom good. And here's Paul referencing all kinds of stuff here. No, I'm a Jew, and no, I, I speak Greek, and I was born a citizen, a Roman citizen. Right, and right, everyone's right. like, oh, oh my gosh, you know? And he's pulling out different parts of his story, mm-hmm. uh, his biography, if you will, for an advantage. And, you know, we reference Philippians 3 and other places where Paul has reasons to boast and all that. Mm-hmm. He will not use the details of his story for bragging rights or for selfish ambition, but he will use it when it has a kingdom good or a missional purpose. And I think that's the difference for us. You know, it's like, oh, when when should I talk about this or when should I do? Well, does it open a door for the kingdom or is this just about you kind of, you know, adding another gold star or whatever, you know? Well, what's interesting too to me is that a lot of what Paul does here at this moment, is like he tells his story, but he tells in great detail his yes. salvation story, his yes. rescue story. Yes. Um, and so I love that because it makes me think of Acts 1-8, where mm. you will be my witnesses. Mm. Like he is, he is standing in front of them and he is saying at risk of they can completely, and they do, they just, you know, they lose their minds. But um, after this, like, wipe this man off the face of the earth. He should not be allowed to live. So they're very offended by this story. But he tells them the story of the road to Damascus, that we all know where he was blinded. And just, I love that. I love to think, like, man, if I had in front of me Mm. all of the, like, culture leaders of our moment, like the Mm. tip-top, biggest social media followings, (laughs) most power in government, like whatever, all those things. Mark Zuckerberg and, you know, whoever it is. Am I going to try to... Because Paul does a lot of like reasoning with the scriptures and all of that, but there's so much power in this story of just saying like, I'm going to tell you how Jesus rescued me. Yes. And he's so vulnerable. I mean, early Mm -hmm. on in the story, he talks about how he was the one persecuting people and putting them in jail. And then, you know, he goes on and says some other things, but then he comes back to it again, talking about Stephen being stoned. Mm -hmm. And he he said, Mm -hmm. I stood there, verse 20, I stood there Mm -hmm. giving approval and guarding the clothes of those who killed him. I mean, you almost hear this sorrow, this deep Uh sorrow in Paul's voice. Like, I watched this young man being stoned and I approved of it. I didn't just watch, I approved of it, you know. So this humility, this vulnerability, you know, if we're not willing to confess the depths of our own need for salvation and our own sin, people are not going to see the power of the gospel. I mean, it's that old saying, the the stars shine brighter against the blackest night or the darkest night. It's you know? true, so yeah. It's true. Totally. So, mm-hmm. so if we're going to be his witness, well, again, who's the star of the story? It's Jesus. It's the yes. Holy Spirit. It's Amen. the Father. You yes. know? So then we got to be willing to say, actually, my my contribution to the story is the dark sky. <laughs> my contribution to the story is to say, yeah, I, I was wrong. I was zealous, yeah. but I was wrong in my zeal. But God in his mercy, but God in his mercy, you know, yeah. That, yeah. that's what makes us so powerful. Powerful to me. Yeah. We're left kind of with a bit of a cliffhanger here mm-hmm. before we get to the weekend where Paul is just, I mean, he's just, it says in verse, I love this, 23 verse 1, Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, brothers, 
I have lived my life before God in all good conscience to this day. <laughs> it's kind of like, say lovey, like whatever's going to happen. Yeah. You know, I know what I have done. Right. Um, and so we have this moment where, you know, there's, you know, there's shouting, there's violence, mm-hmm. like, and then this is the last verse that we read from Acts before the weekend is verse 11. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, have courage. For as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so it is necessary for you to testify in Rome. Like, we're not done yet, Paul. We're not done. Mm. And I mean, Mm. goodness gracious, like, what a testimony. And it's not over. His testimony is not over yet. Yes. Oh, man, that's so beautiful. It really is. It is convicting. I... I don't know what I was thinking, but I have been surprised. I'm not sure why I was surprised. I have been surprised at how convicting Mm. this book Mm. of the Bible is. You know, you think about like Paul's epistles, for example, Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. being convicting because there's a lot of like direct. Yeah, that's right. I got a thing to tell you, and we got to get some things straight. But watching these men and women live into the gospel and at a time when the most radical thing they could do <laughs> mm. and just watching but also getting this sense from the descriptions of the community and their time together of the deep joy that is present amidst this and the deep you know determination and conviction to walk the way mm. the capital yeah. wa it is just something thank you for digging into this oh with us this gosh, week. Oh my gosh, what a gift to me. To... Oh man, it's so fun. So here's something that we do. We have a tradition, Glenn, okay. on the Sherry's Truth Podcast. We spend an hour, and it never feels like enough time, but we spend an hour opening our Bibles, opening our study books, our legacy books, and talking about the beauty, goodness, and truth that we find in Scripture. And then what we like to do at the end of our conversation is ask you, our guest, where in your life are you seeing beauty, goodness, and or truth that is pointing you to Jesus? Yeah. Well, you know, just off the top of my head, fall in Colorado is gorgeous. We don't get all the colors that y'all get in Tennessee. We don't get the reds. We don't get the reds and the purples, but we get these yellows that are really wonderful in the aspens. And so we went on a little walk uh, yesterday evening with the family, my wife and I and our kids, or at least Mm -hmm. three out of the four of them. And that was just, it was sweet, beautiful, cool evening. So definitely the goodness of God there. I've also experienced it recently in the company of good friends, old friends that I've known for 20, 25 years. Oh man, there's Just, nothing better. Oh my goodness. In key moments, <laughs> key conversations of like, man, you, the Lord used you to speak to me. I mean, kind of these moments that we're talking oh, about in yeah. the book of Acts. So that has been real sweet to me. And then maybe a third thing is just in our church, watching people, you know, care for each other. Obviously the last year and a half has been hard mm-hmm. for lots of people. And yeah. But just watching, you know, definitely there was some turbulence and people left and, you know, new people came. Hard, and there, there's yeah. some of that. Lots of churches went through that. But but watching the core stay and care for each other and be committed to each other and serve each other through all the ups and downs has been a real witness to like, man, God, you really are at work, you know. And again, you really are. <laughs> you really are on the move and we want to join you in it. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. Oh, what a, I love one of the great joys of our job is that just talking to other brothers and sisters in Christ who are, you know, we don't often talk to folks around the globe, which mm. that would be awesome. Let's do that. <laughs> um, but even just looking at, you know, our country and saying mm. that you're reporting, you know, here we are across the country from each other and you're reporting live from Colorado <laughs> that the Holy Spirit is at work in Colorado mm. Springs, Colorado. Amen. And, Amen. and in your specific church community, that's just... That's encouraging, and it's beautiful, and I need to hear it. I need Mm. to hear it, and that should not surprise me, but I have a feeling it will continue to. (laughs) But what a delightful surprise. Well, friends, come back next week. We are going to wrap up Acts. I'm kind of sad about it. I've really enjoyed this series in Acts, but our friend and pastor Micah Edmondson will be with us. I'm really looking forward to that conversation. And until then, Glenn, what do we tell our friends? Keep opening up your Bibles. 